As we go into the weekend, I think it's appropriate that we do honor and salute all of those who have gone ahead of us, served in our military, and given their lives on our behalf. And so before I get into my message, I just, uh, anybody watching, anybody listening, I just want to, first of all, thank anybody who has ever served in our military, but remind us all that this is a weekend where we remember those who've given their lives. And so this might be a really good weekend if you have a friend or a family member who lost somebody uh, in duty, even if it was decades ago, uh, for them to be thought of, thanked, and remembered would probably go a really long way. And that's what Memorial Day is, where we remember that many people have given their lives so that we can enjoy the freedoms that we have in this country. And so um, we recognize and we remember all of those, as well as anybody who served in our military. I I never believe that it's a wrong time to say thank you for your service as well. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, And I hope that, that you remember that as you go into this weekend, that Monday's not just a free day off. Um, but somebody paid for it with their, their life. So um, thank you for that. So we're going to jump into our series, week three. This is the middle week. We're right here at halftime of That's What He Said. And uh, we're talking about Jesus. We're looking at certain um, topics. We're looking at certain ideas. Some of the maybe harder things Jesus said or that, that are a little bit more polarizing or a little bit maybe harder to wrestle with. And so um, the first couple of weeks we talked about how Jesus was pretty upfront about that we're to die to ourselves, like the song we sang, more of, more of you means less of me. Um, and then last week we talked about what I think is the hardest thing Jesus ever said, which was love your enemies. And I didn't know if anybody was gonna come back to church after last week, because that's such a hard word, but here most of you are, and all of you joining us around the, the globe online are well, the, well with us. But um, today I wanna, I wanna look at something a little bit different. Um, I want to look at a parable. Now, Jesus was a notorious storyteller. Often when he would teach, he wouldn't just give direct questions and answers, but he would tell stories or, or allegories that are called in the Bible parables. And, and I don't know if you've read the, 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 the words of Jesus, but Jesus was a master storyteller. As many good teachers are storytellers. Um, I, by nature, am more of a teacher uh, and I work and I try to have good stories, but man, I just love it when people have a good story. I don't, I don't know about you, but I love listening to a good story. It doesn't matter really where I'm going or what kind of day I'm having or where I've been. If somebody pulls me aside and they're like, dude, I just had the craziest thing happen. I'm done. Like, I'm like, tell me about this craziest thing. Like, give it to me. Like, tell me I want to know more. Um, I want to hear. I'm, I love a great story. Um, but let me ask you this. Have any of you um, ever had a friend or known somebody who thought they had good stories, but then they tell their stories? And they're not that great. Like, you know, it reminds me of the one time, I, the, the friend I had that we were, I don't remember what we were doing, but he's like, man, you guys, the craziest thing happened. And they were playing baseball, baseball practice at the park. We were at baseball practice and we were just doing the normal thing. And these three cop cars came flying by the park and, and we heard sirens and, and it was like so intense. And like one, then two and three, we're all like, oh my gosh, what happened at the park? What are the cops doing? And like, yeah, I've never seen like that many cop cars and they were flying. And as soon as they got the corner, they turn. And I'm like, they, do they come to the, I'm in my head, I'm already getting ahead of the story. I'm like, did they come onto the field? Like what, how, did the, somebody rob in a bank? Did they punch somebody out? Did they take, like what happened? Like, yeah, they went by and like one, then two, then three, and their sirens were going to world. Like, dude, no way. I've never seen three cop cars go that fast in my neighborhood ever before. Like, yeah, what happened? Like, yeah, man. And what, then, then what happened? Like, oh, we don't know. They just kept driving. Like, that's not a good story. Like, my, my three-year-old nephew tells better stories than that. Uncle Corey, I, I wanted a juice box, but I pooped my pants. Like, that's a better story than the one 
you just heard. Um, I, this, and, and, and you've probably been the victim of this where you think you have a good story. You've maybe been on the other side. You're like, oh, I have a great story. And then it comes out. You're like, yeah, that like was way cooler than the way I made it sound. And so I just want to help you as your pastor. I want to give you something to put in your pocket. If you ever tell a story that you are convinced is a really good story, and then based on the audience and the crowd, it doesn't land well, uh, you're like, oh, they're like, oh, that wasn't a good story. You just need to add this one thing at the end of the story, and it automatically becomes a good story. And so if you remember this next time, you're like, this is amazing. Everybody's like, and? You're like, just finish it with, and then I found $100. If you add that to any story, people are like, no way. Like, was it on the ground? Did it blow by? Like, what do you mean? You had it in your pocket, and you watched it like 100 times? And so, like, if you ever find that yourself within the, in that moment, I, I have one of these in real life, and I won't spend much time. I have one of these stories that is the greatest story I'll never be able to tell. When I was a youth pastor, we did this thing called Summer Games, and we had all these teams, and they were dressed up and whatever. And in the middle of the service, there's at least 300 of us in the room. Uh, and one of my interns comes like, Pastor, we have a problem. Like, what do you mean? Like, they just went off stage. Like, no, somebody pooped in the floor. High schoolers. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, no, come here and look at it. Like right there in the middle aisle, like there was a chair sitting over it. And I, but here's the thing. Nobody knows what happened. There were 300, 400 people in the room and nobody saw a thing. All I know is I'm explaining the rules of summer games and my interns in hazmat material going, while I'm like, and so you get hundred points if you this. And I was like, and we were talking afterwards. They're like, guys, this is going to be the greatest story ever, but we don't really know what happened. So it's not that great of a story. Anyway, I say all that to say, today we're going to look at a story Jesus told because he was asked a question and he told a story. A parable is simply just an allegory, sometimes true, sometimes not. And he was a master at helping you to see a bigger picture than just answering a direct question. And so uh, before we get into this, this story at face value, um, the reason we're looking at that's what he said is because we're looking at what did he mean, not just what did he say. And at face value, it looks like Jesus is giving us a math problem. And so in light of that, we thought it would be appropriate this week on social media to ask you a math problem. It wasn't that hard, uh, but we got some interesting answers. And so this week on our social media, we asked, uh, uh, go ahead and go to the question first. Um, do we not have the question? Oh, if we don't have the question, I'm never going to remember it. So we don't have the question. The question was, uh, if it's, oh, there's no way I'm going to remember this. If you have a train and it takes uh, them a minute to go the whole way and they hit a tunnel... It's something like that. Uh, that's totally on me for not having that. Uh, how long, and if you were on it, you know, how long does it take to get a train, um, oh, a 300-car train, it takes them a, one minute to move 300 cars. How long does it take that train to go through a tunnel? A 300-foot train can go 300 feet in one minute. How long does it take to go through a 300-foot tunnel? There it is. So here were the answers you gave. This, it's all ruined. I've just ruined it. Like, oh, hey, but that's okay, because then I found $100. <laughs> Does it work? No, it doesn't. Okay, it doesn't work all the time. So anyway, one person answered the question, what's the catch? Uh, so that was one person's answer. Yes, you don't like math. One person said one minute. No, that's not the right answer. Uh, one person says one minute through the tunnel. My husband says it's two minutes. This is an awesome answer. This person, <laughs> she said one minute. He said two minutes. Uh, so I wonder how that worked out at home. Um, my favorite answer was, well, with God, anything is possible. Um, <laughs> That was my favorite answer. But the answer was two minutes, one minute for the train to get in the tunnel and one minute for the train to get out. For those of you who are like, what is it? It really was two minutes. And I say that because Jesus gives what seems to be a math problem. And half, uh, probably not half, probably 80% of the people in this room, you don't love, you don't like numbers. And then there's the weird 20% of us, like we love numbers. Uh, and so Jesus kind of looks like he's lobbing us a math problem, but he's really not, but he's telling it in a form of a story. And so uh, this, it, it goes like this. Peter 
was one of Jesus' disciples, and he had an important question. See, Peter lived in a time where he was often mistreated. He was often taken advantage of. Peter lived in a time where they were on the wrong side of society. Um, They were offended. They were abused. And so he had an important question, and he knew Jesus was a little extra. He knew Jesus was like an above and beyond kind of teacher. Uh, They were still trying to wrap their minds around the fact that Jesus was God. And so Peter has a question about this idea of forgiveness. And so it says in Matthew chapter 18, Peter comes to Jesus and says, "Uh, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? And now the fact that Peter says seven times, that's extra because he probably was, most guys like, oh, you wronged me once, maybe I'll forgive you. You wronged me a second time, I'll think about it. You wronged me three strikes, you're out. But I know Jesus is not a three strikes you're out guy. Jesus is probably thinking four. Jesus might even be thinking of five or six. So I'm gonna go one past. Hey, Jesus, should I let somebody like wrong me seven times? Seven, that's like good. Like Peter's like, I got the right answer. This is good. Like Jesus is gonna love this answer. And Jesus responds with no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, those of you who are numbers people, what is 70 times seven? This is one of the smartest audiences in the history 490 is absolutely right. 420, you are one digit off. That's four times six times 10, but close enough. Um, 490. Now, at face value, it looks like Jesus is like, okay, 490. But what Jesus is not saying is now you need to go create a spreadsheet. And every time that person wronged you, you click a box, click a box, click a box, year two, year three, and you get to the point where you get 485, 486, 47, 48. 49, do it one more time. I dare you. 490, 491. Like, we're good. I did exactly what Jesus, that is not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying keep a scorecard. He's, and in fact, if you look at the language Jesus used in Hebrew, the word seven is a number of completion and eternity. And so he says infinity times infinity times. Eternity times eternity is what he's saying. And so he's not talking about this. And Jesus is about to tell us something, again, that makes following Jesus so radical. It should make us so different. It also should should show something about the heart of God and it should give hope to the world. And so here's what Jesus, this is what he said about forgiveness. Rather than give him an answer, he says, let me tell you a story in verse 23. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring all of his accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. So he's settling his accounts. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the master, the king, and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all back. Verse 27 says, to this, the master was filled with pity. Another word would be, uh, a lot of versions say compassion for him. And he released him and forgave his debt. Okay, let's stop right there. The man was just asking for more time. He's like, give me enough time and I'll pay you back. And the master went one further. He's like, actually, instead of you try to pay me back on something I know you can't pay up on, how about we just forgive the whole debt? That's a huge deal, millions of dollars. You're talking about the, the boat. You're talking about the mortgage. You're talking about the car loan, the lease, your kid's college fund. All of that is owed. And rather than go give me more time to figure it out, he's saying, actually, let's just forget the whole thing. If you are this debtor, you are, you are so enamored, you are so elated that you've just been set free from this debt. I can only imagine what, that would, what, what the impact and the effect that that would have on you. And so he says, that's the part of the story. This is what forgiveness is like. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, but when that same debtor, the same servant, left the king, he went to one of his fellow servants who owed him just a few thousand dollars. 
He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Please be patient with me and I will pay it all back, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, put in prison until he could pay the debt in full. Verse 31. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset, as you could imagine. They went to the other king and told, they went to the king and told him everything that had happened. When the king, uh, then the king called in the man he had just forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And he goes on to say this. The angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. You ready for the end of this? This is what Jesus says. That's what, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. We should pray. God, I pray that you would help us to understand your words, that we would take them to heart, that we would not just listen to what you say, but we would know what you mean. God, I pray that you would uh, illuminate this. God, I pray that you would speak to us in a way that makes sense to us. Uh, and God, I pray that you would give us a perspective both of what you've asked us to do, but we would also have it through the lens of what you've already done for us, which would make this a lot easier to understand. So I pray that your Holy Spirit would just speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So the, the basic story is this. You have this servant who owes a king millions of dollars, everything, and the king forgives it. And that same servant has another servant who owes him a few bucks. And rather than do the same thing that he's just been given on a much smaller scale, while he's just had his millions forgiven, the servant's like, pay me the hundred you owe me. Pay me the thousand you owe me. And the king, as you could imagine, hears about it. And he's like, man, forget about it. I'm sorry I even gave you compassion. And Jesus says, this is actually how it is in the kingdom. If you want forgiveness from God... You have to be willing to forgive the people who wrong, offend, and misuse and hurt you. And remember, this story is an answer to Peter's question, how often do I have to forgive? To which, if you're another disciple in that moment, I'm mad at Peter. I'm like, good one, Peter. Thanks. Appreciate it. Like, we were good at, like, three. Like, we didn't have to know this. Like, you had to go and ask the forgiveness question, right? Like, you had to go ask. Now, we got to, like, forgive everybody of everything. We can't even be mad at Rome and all this. And Jesus is talking about forgiveness, and I want to unpack this for a few minutes. And so when we talk about forgiveness, it's important to understand that when we say forgiveness, what forgiveness is at its core is it is a pardon to absolve a debt. It is to release. It is to give up. It is to absolve, or as Elsa said, to let it go. Just let it go. <laughs> what forgiveness is not, and this is why a lot of time our culture has a hard time with this, what forgiveness is not is pretending it didn't happen. What forgiveness is not is saying that what happened is okay. And if we can distinguish between, I'm not gonna pretend it didn't happen, this wasn't okay, and yet at the same time, I'm asked by my Savior, I'm asked by my Jesus to release you of the debt. I, I wish that wouldn't have happened. I would have done anything to have that go a different way, but I'm gonna release you to any debt I feel you owe me monetarily, emotionally, relationally, socially, or in my heart. Again, I don't know if Jesus said love your enemies is the hardest thing to do, this might be number two. And, but I think this is also a key to how we love our enemies. Jesus says to forgive. Now, it's not denial. It's not saying it didn't happen. But here's what I have come to learn. And this, if we can get, I'm just gonna make this really simple. 
there's a couple things that if we can grasp about forgiveness, I believe God wants to give us some perspective and set some of us free. That forgiveness is not a feeling. If you're waiting for the feeling, it's never gonna happen. What we have to know about forgiveness is that forgiveness is a decision, not a feeling. Say decision. I have never in my life, and maybe you're a better person than me, there's actually a good chance that's true. But I have never in my life been hurt, taken advantage of, or anything like that. And, and all of a sudden I was like, man, you know what I feel like? Let's go get ice cream, it's on me, I got you. Like, I just so feel like releasing you. Of it. No, I wanna be vengeful, I wanna show you why you're wrong. I hope, I, again, like I said last week, if you're up, I'm like, oh, I'll pray for you, I'll pray that lightning hits you, takes out your whole family, like your house burns down. Like, yeah, I got some prayers. Like, that's what I feel like doing, but Jesus, if we're going to understand, if we're going to follow, remember, to be, to be followers of Jesus is to obey his teachings and his commands. And, and understand, if you're new here, one of the things we say every week, anything Jesus ever instructs us to do is always win-win. Always. It may not be the easiest thing to do. You may not feel like it, but it's always actually ultimately what's best for you and it's best for the people in your world. We have to keep that in mind, and that's what helps us keep the faith because Jesus knows what he's talking about. And so, when we're talking about forgiveness, there's two, just two thoughts I want to share with you about forgiveness, that if you're going to experience forgiveness, if you're going to not let your heart be just completely beat down and your life beat down by the, the inevitable hurt and disappointment you will face in this lifetime, we have to be conduits of forgiveness. Can I, can I get an amen on that? Amen. We should be the ones, as Christians and Jesus followers, leading the charge on forgiveness. Yeah. We're supposed to be salt and light. Doesn't mean it's easy, but it's not a feeling, it's a decision. So if we're gonna forgive, there's two things and there's two ways we have to forgive. Number one, forgiveness, if we're going to forgive, we have to forgive fully. Say fully. fully. Now, I'm looking at the, uh, at the looks on some of your faces, I can only imagine what you're thinking online. You're like, pastor, do you realize what you're asking? Let me why I can say this with so much confidence, because they're not my words. It's the creator of the universe, and here's why. Jesus asks us to forgive fully because he already forgave us fully. Jesus is never gonna ask us to do anything he hasn't already done for us. This idea of forgive is, is the idea of forgiving with no strings attached, and I believe somebody needs to hear this this weekend. Forgiveness isn't I will forgive when. It's not I will forgive if. There are so many of us that are still being burdened down by stuff that's happened in our life and we're waiting for a when and we're waiting for an if and I just have like really true news for you. It's maybe never gonna happen. I, I have talked to people who have carried hurt and grudges 20, 30, 40, 50 years waiting for an apology because I, they should understand how much that hurt. I, and, and again, it could be a stepdad, it could be a parent, it could be an abuse uh, situation, it could be a, a spouse and it's like, man, I will forgive, but I first need them to acknowledge that they understand the impact that their words and their actions had on me. If they will say, when they say, then I will forgive. Well, guess what? Now you're the prisoner to them. You're not in control of what happens in your heart. And Jesus doesn't say, forgive if. Jesus doesn't say, forgive when. Jesus says, forgive because. We are called, we are instructed, we are encouraged, and what's best for us is to forgive because, because most of us, we will be more okay with forgiving once you have suffered to the level you have made me suffer. Once I know you're 10% more miserable than I am, oh, I forgive you, that's so terrible for you. Shucks. But why? 
Why do we forgive fully? Because I have been forgiven fully. Because every mistake, every sin I have ever committed, ever will commit, Jesus already paid the price on the cross for. He already went to the cross. The Bible says he became sin. He took not only all of my sin, but all of your sin. So once and for all, it could be paid for. So let me be clear about this word sin, because I don't know the background some of you came from, and maybe you were, it was used to beat you up. Sin does not mean God hates you. If God hated you because of your sin, he would kill you. He would strike you down with lightning. He actually loves you so much that in spite of your sin, he sent his favorite son to die in your place. So sin doesn't mean God hates you. Sin just means you need a savior. That's all. It's really sin. Once you can clear that up, like it's, I'm good. Like sin is not good. God doesn't hate me. I shouldn't do it. But all it means is that I need a savior. And so I am, I am uh, forgiven. I can forgive because I have been fully forgiven. Um, and I think um, our, as parents, we can even teach our kids this. And I think sometimes we get half of this right as parents, but maybe we forget the other side of this. I think about how often with siblings, again, I have a brother who's two years younger than me. I mean, it was a daily thing that we were, I, he, I took his G.I. Joe, he broke my Legos, I punched him in the face, I, he ate my snacks, like whatever, like that was Tuesday, whatever. Um, I mean, till college, then we grew out of it. Um, okay, our 30s. But, uh, but I mean, I, I can think of how many times, like I would build some Lego, Legos and my brother would sh- break my Legos. I'm, 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 Ryan broke my Legos. What would my mom do? She would go find Ryan. Ryan, what do you say? I'm sorry. Corey, what do you say? I'm, I forgive you. So what they were teaching us, us was when we wronged somebody, we should apologize. That's good. They were also teaching us that apologies and forgiveness aren't a feeling because we were never like, oh, I, uh, I never felt like it. It was like, we got to keep going on. But I, you know what? I, I wonder what would have happened. And I'm not, I'm not casting stones at my parents at all, but I wonder what would have happened if I would have come to my parents and been like, oh, Ryan broke my, stole my G.I. Joe's and broke my Legos. And my mom would have said immediately, what do you say to him? I wonder what would happen if I would have had to be, be able to forgive before the apology was ever offered. And again, many of us have, have been well-meaning, but I wonder as parents, what maybe we could teach our kids going, what do you mean, what do I have to say? He's the one that stole and he's the one that broke and he's the one like, I got, oh, I got. what if I was taught as a kid, I'm gonna forgive you before you ever offer me his apology. Maybe I would be trained a little bit better of, I'm not gonna forgive if, I'm not gonna forgive when, I'm gonna forgive because Jesus completely forgave me. Um, Paul, the apostle, whose job was to teach people how to be Jesus followers after Jesus went back um, to heaven, uh, he talked about this a lot. In Colossians, he wrote a letter, and he says in Colossians 3, he says, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive one another uh, anyone, and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. In Ephesians 4, verse 32, another letter, different church, different time, same exact concept. He says, instead, be kind to one another. Instead of backbiting and gossiping, that's kind of what he's talking about before all this. He says, be tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. See, Paul and Jesus are trying to remind us the same thing. We're, we're not saying, hey, come take advantage of me, but let's not forget who we are and where we came from. Let's hold this into perspective. How did Jesus forgive us? Fully. Jesus took all of the mistakes, every wrong we'd ever done. We, he took them on the cross. He's about ready to die on the cross. And, and, and he, all of our shame, every wrong motive, every gossip, every, every lustful thought, every selfish thought, uh, every vengeance I've taken. And, 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 and his last words were, Father, forgive them. They just don't understand what they're doing. And if you read the Bible and think he was just talking about the Roman soldiers, you've missed a big part of the story. He's talking about us. 
Father, forgive them. And it says he gave his life so that we could be forgiven. And so I want to make this, I'm visual, it helps me have visual. And so, um, so I did a little math since Jesus gave us a math problem. And so I want to give us, and I was thinking about this, and I'm just going to use some very broad, general, but I want to kind of bring this to life. What does it mean to be forgiven fully? And I think if we can grasp this, the words of Jesus are going to make a whole lot of sense because Jesus is saying, I have forgiven you of everything of all time. So I'm asking you to forgive. And so just for the sake of argument, I want to do a little illustration with rice. And so I did a little math. I'm like, okay, how many times in your life is somebody really going to hurt you, really going to offend you, like where it's gnarly? Some of you have lived really great lives. I mean, maybe 100 times in your lifetime, say you live to be 75, something really bad happens where you're like, man, this was hard. Some of you, you grew up in really bad homes. You grew up in maybe abuse or, or neglect. And maybe it's way more than that. It's like 1,000, it's 2,000. But for the sake of a number, I'm just going to go with 490. So let's just say in your lifetime, 490 times somebody hurts you, offends you, takes advantage of you. Uh, so I have a grain of rice representing every single thing, this is very general, that possibly could happen. If you live to be 75, this is how many times, about 490 grains of rice that are going to happen, where you're gonna have to forgive. Again, some of these might be kids. You know, this one might be the Legos. This one might be uh, you know, your, your stepdad. And again, for some of you, it could be 10 times this. So even then, I'll give you 4,000. It's fine. Now, let's just do a different kind of math. Say you live to be 75. Let's say every day you sin three times. That should be hilarious. <laughs> Most of you have that covered before you get out of bed. <laughs> Definitely before you get out of work. I'm talking every time you gossip, every time you cuss, every time you complain, you kick the dog, you yell at your wife, you yell at your husband, you don't have your coffee, all the reasons, you cut off people in traffic, you cheat, you lie, you steal, you lust, you flirt, you do all the things you know you shouldn't do. I mean, I'm not trying to make us feel terrible in church, but like, come on. Like, the only time I ever sin three times a day is when I'm deathly sick. Let's be honest. I just don't got it in me. If you were only to sin three times a day, and then, you were to, and then you were to live to be 75 years old, you will have sinned 82,125 times. Now, let's not forget, that's only three times a day. This should probably be 10 times bigger, but I didn't have a big enough table. And this is what Jesus is saying. This is the whole message of Jesus right here. He's saying, I'm going to take care of all this. Every regret, your worst night, your worst weekend, your worst year. I mean, some of you, this was just college for you. <laughs> Freshman year. Oh, I know. And every single one of these grains of rice is something that you've done against God. And God says, you know what? I'm not going to hate you for it. I'm not going to hold it against you. I want you to know no matter how big this mound gets, I will and have forgiven you of all of it. And because of that, no matter how big this may be, even if it's, by the way, if it's 10 times that it's 4,000, you're still way behind. Every single one of these, Jesus is like, in light of this, do you think you could forgive this? And he's saying, let's not be the servants who have millions forgiven and then go chasing people after the thousands. And I know what some of you are thinking, because some of us would look at our pile like, pastor, but you don't know. You have no idea how much my dad hurt me. This one grain of rice, this one thing, how much that person, that one time when I was 13, when I was 17, that man that took me to bed, that, 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 that ex-wife who, I mean, we have, and these are real and they are gnarly and they, it, it doesn't just happen overnight. 
But you know what's, you know what's comforting about this? Jesus knows. Jesus understands. And the longer you keep this in your mind and in your heart, it creates this bitterness and this anger and this hatred. And Jesus is saying, I can give you my power. I can give you the ability to forgive. And it may not happen in one step, but I want you to like release that. Like that's not doing you any good. Why don't you let me have that? And we'll just add it to this pile. And oh, by the way, this is just one of us, one person, one lifetime. Jesus took all of our worst, all of humanity. Now take this times about 12 billion. And that's what Jesus did. And he's saying, hey, listen, I already took care of all of this for you and for them. And so you'll be way better off if this doesn't dictate and control your life anymore. And some of us, this has been our identity the last 10 years. I'm the one who, they, I'm the girl who, I'm the guy who, I'm the business person who, whatever it is. And Jesus is saying, you don't have to be known by that. But if you're gonna hang on to this, if, you're, if you are hell bent on hanging on to it, Jesus will let you keep it. But it won't do anything good for your heart and it won't do anything good for the people in your life and it won't do anything good for the relationships you have now. And so Jesus is saying, maybe you could release that. And when we remember that that's a little brush pile compared to the mountain I have, who would I be to hold somebody to that when Jesus hasn't held all the mistakes I've made over and over and over again? And so that's why he wants us to forgive fully. And the second thing quickly to close is to forgive quickly. Forgive quickly. Now, when I say forgive quickly, I don't mean just say you forgive you, just don't feel it, doesn't, it didn't happen. No, no, no. It means begin the process right away. I've had to forgive people that took over a year where every day I had to pray and I had to re-forgive and I, had to, and I didn't, it was a decision, it wasn't a feeling and I wanted to punch them in the face and I wanted them to get what was coming from them. But I couldn't allow that to be in my heart because you probably heard all the analogies, but forgiveness is like, is like setting a prisoner free only to find out the prisoner is you. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison hoping they die. Or, or as one of my friends, this recently happened to one of my friends. You know, it used to be better in the 80s and 90s when you were on the phone and somebody really upset you because we actually talked like this. Yeah, you could let them know. <laughs> now we kind of, now you can't do that. Like I was, did this to some kids the other day. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like talking on the phone. You mean, oh, like this? I'm like, what are you, weird? My buddy was talking, he was having a, just a fight with his wife. It wasn't a knockdown, drag out, whatever. And he had his iPhone. He's like, he's like mad. And he's like, oh, I'm going to show her. And so, you know, had to do the like the new generation. He's like, oh, I'll show you. And then threw his phone on his dash and his dad and the phone bounced, hit the windshield and cracked the windshield all the way across his forehead. F-150. And he went, I mean, dude can throw it. He didn't even hurl it. He just kind of tossed it. But it's such a great picture because you know what unforgiveness is like? Unforgiveness that stays in our heart is like hanging up our phone and throwing it at the window and hoping you break their window. They're driving down the road with their life and now you got to get repaired. And so Jesus, his message is, I have already taken care of this for you. And if you will receive this, and when you become, this is why salvation matters, because when you become aware of this and you understand the gravity of this in your life, it actually makes this a lot easier. It doesn't make it easy. It just makes it easier when you know, wow, God has really, because most of us are actually convinced we're a lot better than we are. I have the advantage of knowing how human and messed up I am. Watch what Jesus says in another conversation. And he's talking about forgiveness. By the way, this topic came up a lot with his followers because I think they struggle with it like we do in Matthew 6. This is how he ends one conversation. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, if you let go of this, your father will forgive your sins. But he's not done. He says, but if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. 
Some of us, we have a mountain we can't let go of because we won't let go of this. And tonight, I believe Jesus is just saying, if you'll let go of this, you can experience the freedom and liberation of knowing that I have forgiven this. The, the freedom is already, the forgiveness is already extended, but you can't receive it until you let this go. And I believe there's some people that need to hear this. So there's somebody that you need to fully and quickly forgive. He's forgiven so much. Who am I to hold so little in my heart? How do I do this? Three steps. First, you have to remember he forgave you every single mistake. The ones that the culture around us says is no big deal. Every single one, Jesus like paid for it, forgave you. Forgiven, 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 if you ask. And for some of you, this is digging up some stuff, reminding you of some stuff. So it's gonna start a process where you're gonna have to start maybe some counseling, but we get pray every day. Ask God's help, God, I need you to help me to forgive so-and-so again today. I don't feel like it, but I'm making the decision. And then the third thing is to remember, it is a decision and not a feeling. The best news about this whole story is if you've never heard the story of Jesus, is simply this. Maybe you've never thought about the fact that this is kind of your stockpile, which by the way, like this is one-tenth of maybe your stockpile of how bad you are. Jesus will never hold this against you. He loves you so much. He covered it. He took him, he stood in front of it and says, I'll pay for it. I just want you to have eternity with me. I want you to know, for, to, to know a whole free life. I, I don't want you to walk in guilt and shame. I want you to be in my kingdom. I want you to experience the goodness of who I am. And so he paid the price. And the Bible says that if you will receive him into your life, if you will engage in a relationship with him, he will cover you from all this and you will become new on the inside. And to me, this is like the best story ever. Yeah, this kind of stinks. But this part's really cool. And so if you've never experienced this part, then today, this weekend, I would encourage you to pray with us. We're gonna sing a song in, in a minute. And, and as we do, just invite Jesus. Say, Jesus, I wanna receive your forgiveness. I wanna receive your forgiveness so that I can forgive other people. I want to be a follower of yours. I want to receive you into my life. Because ultimately, here's what happens if you make a lifestyle of forgiving. A forgiven person starts to become a forgiving person. I'm decent at forgiving because I'm pretty aware of this. It's not always easy, but I, eat, I keep coming back to it. And some of you, this is the very thing that God is wanting to do to, to free you in your heart so that you can move forward in your life and in your relationship with Jesus. So the worship team's gonna come sing, and I'm just gonna encourage you right where you're at. This is a heavy message. Just if you want to stand and sing, you can, but I'm just going to encourage you to sit, make an altar out of your seat. The song's called Come to the Altar, and it's just literally, just bow your head, and is there somebody you need to release? Is there somebody you need to forgive? Maybe there's some forgiveness you need to obtain, and God is saying, I'm going to forgive you that, but you got to release your mother. you got to release your father-in-law. you got to release your ex-husband. You need to forgive them. And for some of you, you might be like, I thought we already did this. That's me and Jesus all the time. Like, I thought we already did this. It's like, forgive him again. Forgive him again. Forgive him again. You could walk out of here with the weight of the world off your shoulders. Forgive fully, forgive quickly. Why? Because he forgave you and wants you to be free. So while they play, if there's somebody you need to forgive, I wanna give you some space to do that. If you've never accepted Jesus in your life, just say a prayer, say, Jesus, come into my life. Help me do this. I don't understand all of it, but I want it and I know this is for me. This, this, the team's gonna play and then I'll come back and close in just a minute or two.
brilliance of Jesus' message is that he knew that until we forgive, we stay tied to the person who hurt us. And Jesus wants us to be free. And so forgiveness is permission to untie yourself from that movie, that pain from that past. And it's not so, it's not so much to focus on what was done to you, but to focus on what was done for you. And when you can focus on what was done for you, releasing others of the same gets a little bit easier, especially with the help of God. I realize this is a deep, deep conversation. We told you this series was gonna get real. So if you have some stuff just that God's bringing up in your heart, we have a prayer team and a ministry team in the prayer room that would love to pray with you. We're here all week to pastorally counsel. We have a great counseling department, clinical Christian counselors here at our church as well. Uh, For some of you, uh, forgive quickly doesn't mean to say a prayer and pretend it never happened, but it's to begin a process so God can start to free you. And I hope that's what you heard. But we can forgive fully because God fully forgave us. If you've never prayed the prayer to accept Jesus, we would love to welcome you into the family of God. We would love for you to text just uh, uh, Cape C to 94,000, or I'm sorry, Cape Yes. Uh, and we just want to send you a couple of videos just to, to help you with this journey. Otherwise, let's go understand how much we're forgiven so we can be forgiving people. Let's go do it. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.